Welcome back again to our uh, our series in the book of Ruth. We're going to be in Ruth chapter 3 today. We're going to get through the whole chapter, and it's going to be epic. Um, all right, let's get started here. So remember, Ruth chapter 2, right? We, we kind of took a break last week to talk through this theme of being what's called a kinsman redeemer, okay? And for more information on that, be sure you check out last week's sermon on the PVN Students podcast, but also uh, just under Youth Sermon on the Facebook page, under videos, all that good stuff. But we kind of took a break from the story to really highlight that theme, and now we're back into our story. But keep that theme of Kinsman Redeemer handy. In fact, if you haven't listened to last week's, I would recommend you do that first and then catch up with this week's because it'll it'll really gel together. Um, but Ruth chapter 2, right, we're in Ruth chapter 3. Ruth chapter 2 literally ends by saying, and she, which is Ruth, she lived with her mother-in-law, right? That is such a weird way to end a chapter, right? Um, after everything that's happened with Ruth and Boaz, to end it by saying, oh, and don't forget, Ruth lived with her mother-in-law. Well, it's actually a lead-in, right? And you see this in storytelling all the time, in movies and TV shows. You kind of, maybe you end one episode on a specific point, and that specific point is what you're going to focus on in the next episode, right? It's kind of a lead-in. Well, that's what's happened here. Ruth living with her mother-in-law, by the author telling us that, he's really setting us up. Ruth has met this wonderful gentleman, right, named Boaz, and Ruth is single. She's living with her mother-in-law. Huh, interesting. But the bigger problem in this culture and in this story is that Ruth and Naomi, remember, they have no one to carry on the family line. That family line was extinguished because of the sins of Naomi's family in chapter 1. Uh, Naomi's husband dies. Her two sons die in this, in this foreign land of Moab, away from the promised land. It's not a good situation. So Ruth and Naomi really need someone to help them carry on the family line. Ruth is still single. She has no... Um, she has no kind of life of her own away from her mother-in-law. And here comes Boaz. You see how it's kind of setting us up to figure out what's coming next? But now there's a chance, because now there's a chance to redeem all this. There's a chance to fix things. Boaz is not just a nice gentleman, right? He is closely related to Naomi, which means he can fulfill the role of kinsman redeemer. He can redeem the family line. In Genesis chapter 3, God told Adam and Eve that the chosen one, right, the one who could restore all of humanity would not come down, you know, this, this chosen one, where's he going to come from? He's not going to come down in the clouds and thunder and lightning. He's not going to come up from the ocean or magically appear in fire. He would be born of a woman. The one who's going to fix everything will be born of a woman, born as a baby, formed in the womb, Right? So having children was not just a nice thing in Israel. Having children was the key to Israel's redemption. This is why Naomi's sons and husband dying was extra devastating. Because of their sin, they were no longer able to have children, right? They're no longer able to help Israel. That's the key. It's almost like a curse. They're no longer able to help Israel by having children, and maybe maybe in those children we'll find this promised Redeemer, but now they can't do that anymore. By continuing to have a family line, maybe one day their Savior will come from the family line, but they can't do that now 
because of all their sin. This is why the kinsman redeemer's job was so important. He can ensure, he can come in and ensure that the family line can continue. He can provide this widow, well, both widows in a way, he can provide this widow with a son who will then marry and keep the hopes of the Redeemer alive and keep the family line going. And Ruth happens to come home, not just having a lot of barley at the end of chapter two, but having met a man named Boaz who is related to Naomi, who could be the kinsman Redeemer. And the wheels in Naomi's head begin to turn. Look at Ruth chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Ruth 3, 1 through 5. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? Now, is not Boaz our kinsman, with whose maids you, with whose maids you were? Behold, he winnows barley at the threshing floor tonight. Wash yourself, therefore, anoint yourself, and put on your best clothes. And go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. It shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will tell you what you shall do. And Ruth said to her, all that you say, I will do. Now, the problem is that Ruth can't exa- you know, Boaz is this, is, is this promised kinsman redeemer. It's going to be awesome. But Ruth can't exactly go up to Boaz and say, marry me. You just don't do that that I'm aware of, right? Even today, um, that's not how Israelite marriage was done, and it would have ruined her chances with Boaz if she had forced the issue, right? Um, But at the same time, it's been weeks at this point. The harvest is almost over. It seems like the harvest is about to end, which is why they're going to the threshing floor. Boaz has been gracious to Ruth during the harvest, But once the harvest is over, um, once school's out and everyone has to go home for the summer, they could lose their chance. So Naomi puts a plan together in order to jumpstart things. She's essentially asking Ruth to wash up, put on some makeup, and put on some some of her clothes, right? Tonight is a night of celebration in Boaz's house. The people are going to feast and celebrate the great harvest that has come. So wait until after he's feasted, right? Stomach's full. He's had a great harvest, a good time with friends. He's in a great mood. His stomach and his heart is full. Once he's fallen asleep, uncover his feet and lie down. And once that wakes him up, he'll see you and he'll tell you what to do. And it seems like kind of a strange thing. And there's some ancient customs that we'll get into in a minute here. Um, But it's actually, you know, it's risky, but it's actually a pretty good plan. Um, this is a huge thing that they're asking Boaz to do. This isn't just a marriage proposal. This is becoming a kinsman redeemer like we talked about last week. This will cost Boaz money to restore Naomi's land and all that good stuff, her housing and all that. Um, But not only that, he'll have to have a child by Ruth that won't bear his name. It'll either bear the name of Naomi's dead husband or Ruth's dead husband, right? This is a massive commitment. So you don't want to interrupt his night. You don't want to force yourself in there to ask him this hugely important thing. You want want to make conditions as favorable as possible. And that's what they're trying to do. You want to get him in the best mood. Make yourself look presentable. Do everything you can to help this thing happen. This is also a huge risk 
not only for Boaz to do, but this is a huge risk for Ruth to undertake. Chapter 2 tells us, right, Ruth is not totally safe outside in the field in broad daylight. How much more is her life at risk when she, a foreigner, when she, a worker, goes into this place at night by herself? Or what happens if she approaches Boaz in the middle of the night, a foreign Moabite woman asking for him to take care of her? What happens if he just says no? Her reputation is now ruined. There's there's some shame involved. And now she's out there again alone in the fields at night. It could be a terrible situation. We talked about this last week. Moabite women were not respected. They are a group of people that lead Israel into idolatry back in the book of Numbers. Boaz would lose some of his reputation. if he, No matter how great Ruth is, Boaz would lose some of his reputation marrying a Moabite woman. It's not, it's not good, it's not right, but it, it's the culture. It's part of being in a broken world. And on top of that, you know, on top of that, he's got to spend all this money. This is a huge risk, but it's the only chance that Ruth and Naomi have. So let's look at Ruth chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. So she does all this. Let's look at 6 through 9. So Ruth went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law had commanded her. When Boaz had eaten and drunk, his heart was merry, and he went down to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And she came secretly and uncovered his feet and lay down. It happened in the middle of the night that the man was startled, or to shiver, right, because his feet are uncovered. And he bent forward, and behold, a woman was lying at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your maid. So spread your covering over your maid because you are a close relative. Okay, what in the world, right? In the ancient world, when you've harvested everything and you store it, you know, there was no, there's no life alert, right? There's no Blue Cross Blue Shield. There's no security system to enable you to be sure everything is safe, right? There's, there's probably not even padlocks at this time that I'm aware of, right? Um, you had to stay out there with your harvest until it was packaged and shipped away to be sure nobody, I mean, think about it. Why would I work so hard in a field when I know that Boaz keeps his stuff unguarded? I'll just slide over there at night and take everything. You see what I mean? That way I don't have to do the work. So you stayed with your harvest to guard it, right? That's why he's sleeping out there. And remember, this was Israel. They knew the Ten Commandments, right? Don't steal, don't covet. But remember, this was during the time of the judges when there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Unfortunately, even Israel is a corrupt and sinful country. So Boaz is asleep on the grain, and Ruth uncovers his feet and lays down. The night air hits his feet. It says he was startled. This means this word is to shiver, right, which is exactly why she uncovers his feet. He's cold. He's going to wake up. When it says he reaches forward, it means he's reaching for covers, literally. He's reaching for a cloak to cover himself, and there's Ruth, right? And he says, and his, his reaction is fairly normal, right? What are you doing here? Who are you? What's going on? And Ruth answers in verse 9. Let's look at verse 9 one more time here. And Boaz said, who are you? Now follow this. And Ruth answered, I am Ruth, your maid. So spread your covering over your maid because you are a close relative. Spread your covering over your maid for you are a close relative. This is where we get into cultural customs. One, Ruth is kind of changing the plan. You remember in chapter 3, verse 4, Naomi clearly tells Ruth, once Boaz wakes up, he'll tell you what to do. 
In other words, wait to hear what he says. Ruth doesn't really do that. I guess she kind of waits to hear what he says, but but Ruth is the one who speaks more, at least at this point. She starts speaking to Boaz, telling him what he needs to do. Number two, here's the next thing. Ruth tells Boaz to spread the corner of his cloak over her. What? This is so weird, right? Well, it's really not if you're in that context. This sounds odd, but think about it. If we went into the future, right, roughly 3,000 years or 2,500 years, and someone read in a, about a movie or something in 2020 where someone where, where the woman tells the man, if you liked her, then you should have put a ring on it. What? Put a ring on what? Where? If you liked it, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. But it makes perfect sense to us. We know exactly what it means to put a ring on it, right? Put a ring on it means it, it's clearly a phrase meaning marriage. It's just shorthand for marriage in the ancient culture. To spread a garment over someone was a common phrase meaning marriage. You see this all the time, even at, at the high school level, right? You got the. I mean, not as much marriage, I wouldn't think, but you but you see like, you know, the girl will wear his letterman jacket or whatever, right? This is not this is not something new. This is an ancient kind of custom. Now it doesn't mean that you are betrothing yourself to this person, right? But there is there are stipulations. Oh, she's dating him, she's got his letterman jacket. Or oh, maybe they should be dating. They're such good friends. She wears his letterman jacket. Or, anyway, okay, another time. But you get it, right? To spread your garment over someone is a common phrase meaning marriage. Boaz would have known exactly what Ruth meant, right? Put a ring on it. Well, I know exactly what you mean. Spread your the corner of your cloak over me. Well, you're asking me to marry you. But here's the other thing. The word for garment here, okay, in verse 9, spread your garment, it actually means wings. Spread your wings over me, which is kind of the same, you know, kanaf, it means wings. It's kind of the same thought, but Ruth is specifically referencing something Boaz said in chapter 2. In Ruth 2, in Ruth two verse 12, listen to what Boaz says. May the Lord reward your work. May your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come seeking refuge. Under whose wings, the Lord's wings, that you have come seeking protection. Picture a bird taking care of its young, right? Wings are a sign of protection. Boaz basically said in chapter two, I pray that the Lord will protect you and take care of you. Now, Ruth is saying, he is going to protect me through you. You want the Lord to to spread his wings over me and protect me and my family. You do that. You spread your wings over me and protect me. You take care of us, Boaz. You want the Lord to bless me and my family. He is giving you the chance to be that blessing. But not just because he's wealthy. Ruth specifically says in 3.9, because you are a close relative. Again, this phrase means kinsman, redeemer. This is not some random proposal. This is, and we'll talk about this in a second. Ruth is not a good book to go to on dating. There is one good lesson here, but Boaz is much older than Ruth. He's closer to Naomi's age. This, this is not an American love story where they saw each other in the field and they just they they think each other are mutually attracted. It's not like that. Okay. She specifically says, Marry me because you are a close relative, because you are a kinsman redeemer. We have no record that this book is about dating or finding your Boaz or anything like that. 
Boaz is a great deal older than Ruth. He's closer to Naomi's age, if anything. Ruth is saying, God has ordained you for this. He has put you in this place. You are able to be our kinsman redeemer. Boaz is not Elimelech's brother, Naomi's husband. He's not a direct brother. He doesn't have to do this, which shows how, what a good guy Boaz is. But Ruth is saying, you pray that I would be safe. You're a good man, and you are closely related to us. Please help us. You did not propose, you, you didn't propose to someone who was older than you back in the day. The older person did that. If you worked in the field, you didn't propose to the dude who owned the field. You didn't tell them anything, male or female. You, you didn't tell them anything. They told you, right? They're the boss. And a woman just wouldn't propose to a man. It's, it's exceedingly rare, even in our culture, where gender roles are being flipped all over the place. But especially in Israel, this is just not what was done. That's a big part of why Naomi tells her to be silent when Boaz sees her, right? Let Boaz set the tone here. But Ruth appeals to God's law. She says, you know, I'm not trying to mess anything up. I'm crossing cultural boundaries solely because God's word says you can help us here. God's word breaks down cultural barriers. It breaks down social barriers of all kinds. We always need to be sure that we are obedient to God's word. I'm not saying, ladies, if you, if you like him, go propose. That's all I'm saying, especially in middle school, right? But I am saying we must always put obedience to God's word over obedience to our culture when they clash, right? When it comes to politics, when it comes to the right to life for the unborn, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to gender roles, we must always, even if our culture is raging towards one end, we must stand our ground and trust God's word. This is what Naomi, excuse me, well, Naomi and Ruth, this is what they're doing here. They trust in this idea of the kinsman redeemer. So we get into Ruth 3, 10 through 11. Let's look at Boaz's response. Ruth 3, 10 through 11. Then Boaz said, May you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first, not by going after young men, whether poor or rich. Now, my daughter, you do not fear, for I will do for you whatever you ask. For all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. Boaz accepts. Oh, what a relief. This crazy plan has worked. Naomi's, you know, her devastation, her poverty, her bitterness can finally start to come to an end. Ruth's incredible character and trusting God is paying off and her loneliness can come to an end as well. Boaz calls Ruth daughter, showing again their age difference. He specifically says he is not a young man like Ruth is young. This is not a Hollywood story of two attractive people being just dating, right? Finding each other on Instagram or whatever. Ruth says, you are my kinsman redeemer. God's law has allowed for you to take care of us. Boaz does not see this as Ruth hitting on him, right? He sees her as a woman who knows God's law and who acts with faith in God's law of the kinsman redeemer, asking for his help. He is a man who follows God's law, and she is a woman who follows God's law. Again, it says in 11, my daughter, do not fear. I'll do whatever you ask for all my people in the city 
know that you are a woman of excellence. He's going to help her because he is a man of character. And he has seen through this final act, especially that she is a woman of character, that she is a woman of faith. It's interesting. In ancient Hebrew texts, a lot of times Ruth is, is not put after judges. It's put after Proverbs. And Proverbs ends with Proverbs 31, the Proverbs 31 woman. And it's almost as if the, the people who are putting the Bible together in ancient times wanted to show you that Ruth is the embodiment of this Proverbs 31 woman. So they connect the two. It's just interesting food for thought, coffee talk or whatever Bob calls it. Um, Ruth has taken care of Naomi this whole time. And now, at huge personal risk to her own life, she has followed Naomi's plan, done what she asked, showing such humility. God's law provides a kinsman redeemer. And instead of playing it safe, Ruth risks her life to propose to Boaz so that this kinsman redeemer law can go into effect. What a risk. What faith in God's law at great cost to herself. And again, this is not a dating book, but the one thing you could take out of this about dating and relationships is that character is way better for relationships than just looks. Looks aren't bad. There's nothing wrong with looks, right? Ruth could have gone to a younger man. That would make more sense. But she knows that Boaz is a man of character. He will take care of her and of Naomi. Boaz is a man of character. He sees that Ruth is a woman of character. So he agrees to help, except Ruth chapter 3, verse 12. Ruth chapter 3, verse 12. Boaz says, now it is true that I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Verse 13, remain this night, and when morning comes, if he will redeem you, good, let him redeem you. But if he does not wish to redeem you, then I will redeem you. As the Lord lives, lie down until morning. So <gasps> there is a relative that we have not met yet who has not introduced himself yet, which already shows um, what kind of a loser, frankly, this guy is, which already shows a little bit about his character. He clearly doesn't want to do this because we didn't even know he existed until right now. But he is closer in relationship to Ruth and Naomi than Boaz is. So if there is to be a kinsman redeemer, he has more of a right to it. Boaz is a man of integrity. He's not going to go around this guy's back. He's going to be straight up with him and trust the Lord with it. You can see the reader being, you know, you, you can picture the reader being like, oh my gosh, I, I wanted these two to get married. I can't believe this guy's coming at the last hour. What if it can't be? Boaz, but the author gives us some hope at the end of chapter 3. Look at Ruth 3, 15 through 18. Ruth 3, 15 through 18. Again, Boaz said, give me the cloak that is on you and hold it. So she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. When she came to her mother-in-law, she said, how did it go, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done for her. She said, these six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said, do not go to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then she said, wait, my daughter, until you know how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest until he has settled it today. Boaz sends Ruth, Ruth home with six measures, which is somewhere between 30 and 
80 pounds of barley. If you notice in verse 15, it says that Boaz had to help her pick it up. This is a crazy uh, a gift, a crazy offering, right? This shows how large this amount is, and it's Boaz's way of saying, I'm going to handle this. She doesn't come back empty-handed with, with nothing but questions. She comes back with this huge sign of kindness from him. He's basically saying the only way I'm going to let this other guy do this is if he's willing to do as much or more than I am. And look at how much Boaz is willing to do, right? If that's the case, then, then it's good to go, right? And even in verse 13, he says, remain this night, and when morning comes, if he will redeem you, good. But if he does not want to redeem you, then I will redeem you. The word here for if he doesn't want to redeem you, it actually means if he is not delighted to, if he's not excited to redeem you, then I will. Boaz is saying, if he just agrees to redeem you, that's not good enough for you, right? I will not let him do this unless he is honored and thrilled to do it like I am. That's hugely comforting. So with that, he sends Ruth home with literally more blessing than she can carry and goes to meet this mystery man in the final chapter. Here we've seen the character of Ruth and Boaz, their purity, their generosity. Those are things that are so rare in our culture today. It sounds outdated even, purity and generosity. Are they rare in our own lives? Is it rare in my life? I want so badly to be a deep, good person the way Ruth and Naomi were. And these are things that we should fight for as Christians. We should fight to be pure. We should fight to be generous. We should fight for these things. We shouldn't just sit back passively. When we pray about things, we need to go after the things that we pray for. We need to do the difficult things because in that difficult work, we'll grow so much as a person. We'll grow so much as a people. That is something to pray for. Both of them, Ruth and Boaz, they weren't just good people. They were willing to sacrifice to do God's will, to obey God's word. Ruth literally risks her reputation and her life in this chapter to follow God's plan. Boaz is willing to redeem a widow and a Moabite woman at great cost to himself, both financially and with his reputation. He has to have a son that doesn't even bear his name. And he doesn't even have to do this. Boaz is not, there's, there's even a guy closer to him, to, to their in relationship who can do it. But he chooses to. It, in the South especially, but I think this is true everywhere of Christianity, it's very easy to pretend to be a Christian and not sacrifice anything. If you and I are not sacrificing anything in our lifestyle, um, in how we conduct ourselves, if we're not having to sacrifice anything, we need to ask ourselves, where is our relationship with God really? Do we actually care about following God enough to sacrifice, or do we only care about following him in terms of how comfortable we are? It's a good question to start wrestling with as you get into the summer months, especially before some of you go back to school, right? Where you will have to make some sacrifices, I think. Um, 
something to think about. May we pray that we can sacrifice, that we won't value what our culture says above what the Bible says, that we won't value our reputation over obedience to God's word, that we won't value our reputation more than obedience to God's word. But more than that, Ruth leaves herself vulnerable by going out at night as a foreign woman. She puts her reputation and safety at great risk. Jesus Christ left the safety and glory of heaven to become a helpless baby, having to flee Egypt even uh, early in life as an infant. His reputation was destroyed as they made fun of him all the way to the cross. Ruth is risking her life and sacrificing her safety. This points to Jesus sacrificing his life, walking into certain death. God is faithful to Naomi even after her sin in chapter 1. He is faithful to Israel even during the time of the judges and hundreds of years of disobedience. And he will be faithful to us now. He has committed himself to sustain us, to take care of us, and we know he will because he died for us. Let's pray.